When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Welcome back to Not Your Average Joe, the podcast that'll make anyone a little less average. I'm your host, Joe Franco, and y'all already know the drill. I love speaking to you about topics that I feel like are important and that need to be talked about a little bit more. We're going to dive into the concept of Hollywood, but the real heart of this conversation that I have with my good friend Lucy is about creativity and why creativity isn't necessarily a freely optional thing. It's a duty. When we're creative, we bring out the best not only in ourselves, but in others. When we are sabotaging our own growth, it's like fear of success almost. Which is ironic. Because fear of failure, right? Is that how ironic? Because it's like, you think it's, your brain tricks you into thinking it's fear of failure. But then you look back and you're like, I've been failing. I'm a pro at failing. I fail all day, every day. That's why I'm making all this stuff. Because I'm a failure. Like, that's... That's the easy part. I think what scares us is like, what if I, what if I'm good at this? And then it's like, then you have a responsibility to really acknowledge that part of yourself. That was the voice of my dear friend, Lucy Bilhar, who's an actor, a comedian, a writer, and an overall brilliant, shining woman. She's worked her ass off. I've known her for a decade now. And every single time we speak, she's working on a new project. She's developing a show concept. And most recently, she's been killing it on TikTok. When we recorded this interview a few months ago, she had 100,000 followers, and now she's about to hit 200,000. That is the power of leaning into your creativity. So whether you're struggling right now to find your creative groove, or you've got your foot in the door but want some extra motivation, or you just don't even know why it's important to be creative, this conversation is going to make us all a little less average. You're going to want to take notes for this one. Kill the intro, sis. You know she's not your average Joe. Not your average Joe. She's not your average Joe. So a little context. Back when I moved to LA in 2015, it was intentional. It was to make my YouTube career with my old business partner work. We were living in New York and rents were too expensive. I was working like 15 jobs and it just wasn't feasible. So when I moved to LA, it took me a few years to find some quality friends. Lucy was one of them. This sounds good. You, you are a California babe. Like, wow. I'm a California girl. You look glowy and radiant and I miss you so much. Yo, I miss you so much. It's like, I feel close to you because I'm always on your social media. But the other day I was like, how long has it been? It's been years. It's been years. I've known you for almost maybe like seven years, six years. That's almost a decade. Dude, what is going on? But you know what? We look and feel greater than ever. I was going to say, you look absolutely radiant. And Lucy and I met because we were both friends with Misako. Misako, who was also interviewed on this podcast. The bottom line is that we all went to LA chasing the same exact thing. A career solely based on our creative passions. And even though Lucy and I had different paths to that career, I was more on the digital side and she was always more in the traditional acting realm, auditioning for things. We ended up 
learning a lot of the same lessons. And it's pretty dope to have creative friends because you realize as you get older, it gets harder and harder to stick to something that seemingly isn't working out. When you work in a creative field, you're an expert and a professional at accepting no's. So anyone who's sticking to their dream year after year after all of those no's, to me, that's the makings of gumption, of grit. And that's my favorite thing. I love it so much. This is going to be like partially a catch up because I just want to know right. what's going on. But also I want to talk about like this amazing content you're putting out there. You're fully committed to that, you know, Instagram, TikTok game now. I'm I'm in the game. And, you know, it I mean, coming from someone who's you've been in the game for a long time, you've been committed to it and you've seen it evolve so much. So I want to get your thoughts on like what's happening and how it's evolved now. But yeah, it, it started out with like this moment, I I guess in the winter of last year. No, it, it wasn't that long ago, maybe like six months ago. I was like tipsy with my brother one night. We were like <laughs> trying to have a studio session. We have a band together. We were like, let's have a couple drinks, just like loosen up. We like smoked a little joint. And then we both got on this like creative hype and we were like, ooh, achieving our dreams, blah, blah, blah. And that night I, I was like, I'm gonna film like write a sketch film it edit it and post one every day for 30 days and I was like if I do that something will change like I I needed to shift my momentum because just as a creator and an actor you can you can kind of always feel stuck like it's pretty much up to us ourselves and so after those 30 days of like committing to putting them out I I saw growth and I saw like more engagement and it felt so fulfilling to like take my creativity into my own hands and that was kind of the start of it. There's so much that I want to get into. Again, like this conversation, it's like selfishly just me being like, I miss you, girl. But let's let's go back a little bit, right? Let's go down the road. Take us back to Pittsburgh, Lucy, moving to LA, pursuing this vision of Hollywood and acting and being a comedian. Let's go back. Oh my gosh. Okay, back to Pittsburgh. So that's where I was born and raised. Um Pittsburgh, PA, you just want to know like how it all began? Yeah, because you're one of those people who you've ruthlessly been committed to the art since I met you. Yeah. One of my first memories of you was going to your improv show. That was the funniest thing I've ever seen, by the way. And I'm like, oh my God, this girl's going to be huge one day. And then we actually became friends. And since then, every time we've spoken, it's been an audition or writing a sitcom or whatever, like you're just always doing things. And I think, you know, with you, it's acting and being a comedian and being a creative. It's not something that you do is who you are. Mm. So it's been a huge thing in your life. And I want to know how did that even start? Like, what's the why? Yeah, that's a great question for me. And I've been thinking about this a lot lately. It, it seems like such a simple and like not very deep answer, but it's just the most fun thing about being alive to me. It's so fun. Since I was little, I remember I would, I would put on shows for my parents when they had dinner parties, my friend Brenna and I would like make everybody sit there and watch us put on these like half improvised, like stupid, like musicals. And it, it just was always in me. Like I, I love to perform. I love to create and like tell stories obviously I'm a ham. Like since I was a kid, I was like, pay attention to this dumb thing I'm about to do. Like, and I still, so much of it still feels like, oh, it's stupid. But the more you do it, I think the more it kind of like, you know, it, it siphons into something more specific, but 
Yeah, I guess since I was little, I mean, I don't remember this, but my mom told me that one day I was like, I want to take singing and dancing classes. And so she, and she always loved musicals. So she was stoked and like put me in some like kids acting classes and improv. And I always loved being goofy and comedy. And it just kind of always was. I, there wasn't really a moment. I don't remember seeing a movie and being like, I'm going to be an actor. It was kind of like, I just want to perform in any way because it's again like that's the thing about being alive as a human that brings me the most joy and the most excitement and like yes I think it's beautiful to like tell a story and transcend differences by doing our art that's obviously so powerful but my truth my my real answer is like it's just the most fun thing I can do let's hold on to that I'm gonna be pulling little nuggets okay, fun great. is a big one because you're also very goofy yeah. like I vividly remember sitting on your floor of your apartment like eating chips talking about how much we fart and laughing oh. so hard like <laughs> these are the kinds of moments that I live for that I remember that I want more of in my life it's almost like the remedy to all of the not so fun stuff right it's like totally there's this saying, I don't know if you've heard it. Uh, there was this old boss that I had and she was like, honey, in life, you have two choices. You could laugh or you could cry and I'm going to choose to laugh. And that stuck with me. Yeah. So I feel like humor and having a fun life, it's like a key to longevity. So the right. irony though, is you love having this moment of creativity. You love being creative and having fun with it. But the industry that you have to do that in is the hardest thing in the world to break through so it's right. like how do you stay positive and happy and having a good time when you move to LA and it's like years have gone by and mm -hmm. you're still in the game trying to make it work all right I'm gonna interrupt myself on this one partially because this microphone has way better audio quality than the silly zoom microphone that I was using anyways not your average Joe takeaway number one in life you either laugh or you cry and the not average Joe knows that in times of difficulty, there's always room for a little comedic relief. I'm not saying you should avoid crying. Sometimes I even schedule crying into my calendar because it's so good for you. But really in my hardest moments, the thing that's kept me going has always been finding the ironic humor in it. You can't take yourself too seriously in this lifetime, especially when you're up against such a difficult journey if you're in a creative field or if you're an entrepreneur. Not only will it be good for you in a chemical sense, in your brain and your spirit, but people will want to be around you more. No one likes a negative Nancy. And when I speak to Lucy, she's the perfect example of somebody who not only doesn't take herself too seriously, but has built content and a career out of funny moments and ironic humor. And to be honest, I think humor is the key to my heart. I love you, Lucy. Let's talk about that. So you moved out of Pittsburgh. You knew you had this passion. You get to LA. What happens next? So I, I went to college in Chicago for acting. I, I hated Chicago. I'm grateful for the program. Hated Chicago. Knew I didn't want to stay. Moved to New York City for a spell. Same thing. Had a manager who was like, I was like, this is it. Like this manager is getting me incredible gigs like, or opportunities. She dropped me after like five months. She was like, this is an amateur Rawa and was like, bye. So I had no reason to be in New York anymore. Finally came to LA and loved it, but still didn't, I didn't really dig my feet in or my, is that, is that what it is? Dig my feet in until like, there's dirt. We can dig our feet yeah, in, dig my toes in <laughs> until truly like two years ago. And I've been here for six years, but I, I got to LA knowing I wanted to be an actress 
having no idea how to pursue it. The connections I had made in Chicago and New York did not transfer. Um, and it was really hard. It still is really hard. I countless breakdowns and I still do. Cause I'm like, I mean, you know, you're in this industry too. It's like trying to get anything made. It's like, you're screaming out into a void and it doesn't matter how talented you think you are or how talented your mom tells you you are or how many plays you started in college. Like it doesn't really transfer in Los Angeles. That's kind of what I've found. And it makes you feel delusional sometimes. Cause you're like, at least my own struggle has always been like, I really do believe in myself. Like I I'm pretty sure I have what it takes. I'm pretty sure I've got good ideas and good instincts, but after so many years of like screaming out into the void and, and having zero acknowledgement, you start to feel like, am I, am I just insane? And I never had any talent or skill. So it becomes almost like a spiritual practice of having just faith in yourself. And that's why I started to self-generate. And that's what's brought me like so much fulfillment. And ironically, the most success I've had so far is taking it all into my own hands. Another thing, every time I speak to anybody, I'm like, okay, let's like break this part of that down and this one down. So I love it. what I want to highlight here is we're, we're talking right now about traditional Hollywood versus new and modern Hollywood, right? So the screaming into the void part of your career was when you were going in the traditional route of like needing a manager or needing an agent and needing castings and going to auditions. Right. How much energy do you say you invested in that route of your life? Like how many years, how many auditions, if you could give kind of like a summary? Oh my God. Um, I mean, honestly, not that many auditions because I couldn't, I couldn't even get any in Chicago. I had a lot more, but that's because I was like connected through school and it's a smaller town, but in LA you can self-represent on like actors access and these databases. So I would get auditions from that. And like one or two here and there from like some reps who were hip pocketing me, which means like they haven't signed you, but they're like, I'll send you out. And if you book something, then I'll sign you. Cause they, they're not going to take a risk on you if you can't make the money. So like auditions here and there never booked anything at all. And just like, was just down and out like maybe four years. I mean, I'm still auditioning for things and like have been slowly booking more things still without any representation. Like I get all of this on my own now through the power of social media. Again, we'll get into that. But I mean, I've invested all of my energy, like all my time. And it wasn't until a couple of years ago when I started to write this show that I've been developing that I, I consciously took a step away from that and was like, no one's gonna give this to me. And I'm tired of like banging on this door that is so evidently like not a door for me. Like I should turn around and try some of these other doors. You know, there's so many people in that boat and I have a, like an interesting relationship with the industry in air quotes, because when I look at you, if anybody's listening, you can't see the gorgeous woman that I'm looking at on <laughs> zoom, this woman, you are so beautiful. You're one of those women that when I first met you, I was like, damn, that girl has the it factor, like whatever it is. Oh, I'm serious. And I still believe that. And I know it's going to happen and things are happening. Thank you. But it's so crazy because I've met hundreds and thousands of people and I'm like, oh yeah, it's so obvious. It's in my face. You have it. But when you're doing the traditional route, it's like, you need to fit the exact mold of the exact character type of the exact height and weight that these people are looking for. Because the irony is a lot of the people working in creative industries aren't that creative. They're like, no, I want exactly this. And if, if you're not that, I'm not taking a chance. 
Right. They don't want to take a risk on someone new. They don't want to take a risk on like an unknown face or like a tall woman. Like I'm 5'11". I think that's shot down so many of my chances. And then it's like, you know, if you aren't the traditional beauty, you can be hot as hell. But like, if you're not the exact thing they're looking for, they don't, they want to make money. So they're not going to take a risk on us if we're like too unique. Totally, which we are, if we're being real. And like, that's what makes us. Yeah relatable like there's just so many different layers of us like we're the girls eating chips on the floor talking about farting like this is real dude I could talk about farting until the end of days <laughs> why isn't that something people want like I think we need to be talking about that more <laughs> I I love talking about that so if people listening haven't ever heard of any stories of the Hollywood industry this is a classic tale of you go to LA you risk everything you take shitty jobs like how many odd jobs did you have during the time where you're auditioning and like just waiting for something to happen. Oh my God. Yeah. So many. I worked at a juice bar, worked at a yoga studio, babysat, took like so many random catering gigs, like some sketchy stuff, you know, whatever it takes to survive. I started a nut butter company, like selling peanut butter and almond butter that I like make in my illegal home kitchen. Like, <laughs> delicious, was, by the way. And it's delicious. I gotta say, I really cracked the code on something there, but you know, I, I think that's when I reflect on all of that. I, I have to remind myself to like, give myself a pat on the back because it's, it would be so easy to quit. And I'm like, look at all these jobs I took and look at all these, all the persistence it required to even just stay living in the city when I didn't even have any projects going on because the dream was always there. And it wasn't something I was willing to ever give up on in my mind. It's like, I'm not it's not a question of whether I'm going to get it or not. It's, it's not an option to quit. And I, I'm sure, I feel like you feel that way too, because we've had so many talks about like being a creator and doing your own thing. And you've always inspired me in that way. So we're at a really interesting time in history right now where Hollywood is being redefined. When you watch something on television or now streaming, those are what we call traditional Hollywood models. And in order to become an actor or a writer or producer or director or have any say in what the masses watch, you most likely had to follow a traditional path or be born into a family where people know people and then you can reap the fruits of nepotism. However, if you don't have any siblings or any parents or any aunts and uncles who work in Hollywood, this is the standard route. You likely have to move to Los Angeles, California, and then you have to convince somebody like an agent to have you be a part of their roster. Now, the irony is you need work experience to get a good agent, but you can't get good work without a good agent. So it becomes this whole fight of, I need to convince this person that I have the it factor, that I'm talented, that I've been working my entire life to have this relationship with this agent. And the agent doesn't even give you the jobs. The agent gives you the potential to get the permission to work. So now, okay, let's say you get an agent. My first agent I got because I cold called the office, I lied and I got an appointment and then they put us on their roster. That's not normal. That's not what people do. Also in the digital world, I had a little bit more gray area because it wasn't like I needed an acting resume. I just needed YouTube videos, which I had. 
let's say you get this agent. Now this agent, if you're a traditional actor or comedian or whatever, they're gonna put you up for auditions. And now you have to go into a room, you're not getting paid for these hours that you're spending preparing for the audition or even going into the audition. Some of these are very far, you have to sit in traffic for hours at a time. You get to the audition, you spend maybe five to 15 minutes, if you're lucky, reciting your lines or doing your, your you know, screen test or whatever, you leave with your tail between your legs and you probably never hear about this role ever again. And you just have to move on with your life and do it time and time and time and time again. And in the meantime, let's not forget that life goes on and no one's paying you to be auditioning. So you likely have to get crappy jobs, the ones that are flexible enough so that if you have an audition, you could just call out and go. So it's this like almost lose-lose situation unless you're one of the lucky ones that gets a yes. So next time that you're watching your favorite TV show, just reverse engineer your favorite actor's path. How many no's do they have to get before getting that yes? But let's say you are one of the rare ones who gets a yes in the audition. Then the fight becomes fighting for a better contract, fighting for lack of exclusivity so that once the show that you're wrapped on ends, you can actually audition for your next job or it becomes more screen time. It's just a really tough path. So if you're an actor or you're working in something in Hollywood, you have to really love it. And that's definitely Lucy's path and mine. But mine came with a twist. You know, when I met you, I had zero shit going on. And I was like, how is this woman so productive and so creative and such a boss and like taking the reins? And that's like, I I think because you have that same seed inside of you, that's like, this is the only option we're doing this. Yeah. Well, I think it goes back to the beginning. This isn't something you do. This is who you are. So it's not right going to change because you are fundamentally this creative person, right? So it's like, give me an opportunity. Don't give me one. I'm still going to create things. So let's go on to part two of the traditional route, which was, so yeah. part one is auditioning, right? And you, you were doing that. Right. Part two is let me write my own show, pitch it and try to sell it. Walk us through that process. Cause that's a whole nother yeah. bitch of a process. You know, that's, and we're still in the traditional Hollywood world here. That's still, I'm still trying to finish that thing. So that'll happen because I was sick of the traditional route of being like, somebody see me as the ingenue and not, you know, having the naivete of not realizing like, they're not going to be casting a six foot tall (laughs) ingenue with big curly hair who like doesn't, you know, who isn't going to be like, help me. So I, I was going through like a dark time. I was, you know, dating a fuck boy and my best friend, Mary was as well. Neither of us were getting auditions. We were like, we're here for the dream, but like the dream is not here for us. What do we do? And she uh, approached me with the idea to write a spank, which is a 30 minute show at the upright citizens brigade theater. It's like a famous comedy school and theater. And they let students submit spanks. She was a student. I was not, but since I was attached to her, we, we submitted ours. So we wrote this sketch show. It was like 10 or so sketches about these two girls dating a fuck boy, sharing the same guy. And it was just kind of like our own therapeutic way to be like, what are we doing in this city? Why are men treating us this way? And we turned it into comedy, you know, like take your broken heart, turn it into art. Um, you can fire me for saying that, but I want t-shirts with that. Like, that's great. I think that was like a Meryl Streep, like Oscar speech, but so we wrote the show, we put it up. 
the the art director of the place liked it. They gave us a run. So we were supposed to do it for like more months in a row, but then the pandemic hit and we got so lucky um, that our first show was shared with Lisa Gilroy. Lisa Gilroy is also like an incredible comedian. She's on TikTok and Instagram. She's, you must check her out. She shared the time slot with us. It was an hour long spot and her show was before ours. And her manager, Naomi Odenkirk, was in the audience. And so she had to sit through, or ours was before Lisa's. So Naomi had to sit through our show to be able to watch her client's show. So we had like a captive audience of this powerful woman that we didn't know was going to be there. She ended up loving the show. She approached us after and she was like, here's my card. Are you guys TV writers? Like, who are your reps? And we were like, no, no one and nothing. Never worked before. And she we kind of say she like plucked us from, like she saved us that day. And we met with her. She was like, I think we can write this show into a pilot. It's really funny. And since then we've been working with her. She had more people come. We've got a production team and like a script developer who are all like people who've been in the industry for a long time and just out of pure interest wanted to help us. Like no one's gotten paid yet. And they all just took a risk. And so for the past two years, we've been developing this show um, about me and my best friend sharing this fuck boy because there are so few options for men in the city that we have to share one. And then it's also, you know, the being in your 20s, pursuing a dream in like this wasteland of Los Angeles and remaining like fiercely optimistic throughout the whole thing. And we're finally, I was just emailing them 10 minutes ago, we're finally done with like ADR and sound and we're about to lock it and like hopefully we'll pitch it within the next few months. But that's been like two years coming and it's, that's been a slow, bumpy road too. Obviously the pandemic, but. It's pretty crazy. I love these conversations because it makes me zoom out a little bit and think about our society in a, in a broader sense. Every single thing that you watch on a major platform, whether that's you know regular cable television or streaming, it has to be greenlit. And there are gatekeepers to those processes, meaning you can't have an amazing idea and show it to the world unless the people at the top sitting in the executive desks think your idea is good enough which means the people who are making the decisions have all of the control so you can be like lucy or like myself we've pitched shows time and time again and maybe the people who are craving the content would love to see the shows but they will never see it unless the gatekeepers or the executives of production and the executives of development deem your concept good enough to be on a big screen. So really what we're talking about here is a few very powerful people controlling most of the content that humans get access to watching, which is really bad because there's a huge lack of representation, whether it's women or minorities, people of color, LGBTQ, like there are very few executives that wear those different identities which means that the content that would likely speak to minorities is really underserved so let's just think about that for a second the point is though lucy's pitching a show i have pitched shows and they can get down the line of the process but there's a very high probability that they will never see the light of day in a big screen so when people do get things greenlit it's probably because they've been working on it and pitching it for 10 years none of this is easy it doesn't get more traditional 
story of a person trying to make it in Hollywood than this. Like two years, I repeat, two years, and two years yeah. it took for you guys to go down the process. Did you end up filming a pilot? Like what did what? Okay, that's huge. We did. Yeah, so we shot a pilot in in March, and it was broken down into like four mini episodes. So we can pitch it as like a web series and use it as like a sizzle reel for a pilot. So we, yeah, we shot it. We got, um, I don't know if I'm allowed to say, I won't say, but we got some like amazing, incredible comedic actors to just say yes. And it, it really like, I, I cried in so many steps along the way. Cause I was like, how is this real? Like, how is, how are people out of the goodness of their hearts, these like known actors who I respect so much just down to like, come, we shot it in my apartment right here. And they like came to my house for the day for no money and just to like play and be a part of something. And it like, it restored my faith in the industry a little bit, but I'm still kind of like, you know, we could pitch this and have it go nowhere. And that's, that's two years of working on something and building relationships that I will not regret, but you can, you can put two years of your work into something that never gets picked up and no one ever sees it. Okay, back to the crash course on Hollywood. Here's how shows are actually made. First, you need representation, which means an agent or a manager. Like I told you, you need to convince these people that they should represent you. They get 10% of everything that you're making. And so an agent or a manager has to believe in you because they're gonna be working for free, sending you out on pitches and introducing you to people in hopes that you make money so that they can make money. Then you also need to convince a production company to make your show or you can make your own. The production company is gonna have all of the equipment. They're gonna have the capabilities of editing. They're gonna be the ones paying for the thing to actually get made, or they're gonna pay for the first step of the show to get made, which is like a sizzle reel of the show. And that could be anywhere from like a minute to three minutes, a little sampler of what the show or movie is gonna be. Or they could also fund a pilot, which is the first episode so that they can give it to the executives who are the gatekeepers that I mentioned, who will ultimately say, yes, we want to order eight episodes of this show or 12 episodes of this show. But the executives in the platform that will actually distribute the content, i.e. Netflix, HBO, all of those networks, they're the ones that will likely be paying for the show to get made. So if you're the creator who has an idea for a show, you need all of those people to believe in you and pay for you to do what you do best, create things. And then the hope is you make the show, people love it, and then the network orders another season. But do you see how many steps your potential show could get lost in? So the fact that I was able to film not only one season of a Netflix show, but two, that's 16 episodes. That's unheard of. That's really, really, really unlikely. Like the chances of that happening are wildly slim. So I'm, I'm out here just grateful, y'all. But now that I wanna pitch my own show, I know what I'm up against. After the break, we talk about how you really need RBIO to stay committed to the creative path. In other words, ruthless belief in oneself. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... 
All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. It's never a waste because of the relationships and because of the experience, but it's like what you're explaining. It's, it's a high, you get a high. It's almost like nothing happens for two years and then something amazing happens. And it's almost like you've reached a checkpoint in a video game and you're like, I can keep going for another two years because this shit feels great. And then nothing happens, nothing happens. And then, so when you think about the people that you admire, these successful comedians, have you ever talked to them about the highs and lows? Because no one at the top has had an easy ride up there. It's very unlikely. It's it's so unlikely. I mean, the one that we had on set, I was I was kind of too shy to like talk to her about it. And also she was here. She was like in and out. And I didn't want to like I didn't want to like corner her on my couch and be like, how do you stay inspired? But um, she did like she gave us some advice about comedy. She was like, don't make your life a joke. I one time like talked about my boyfriend in my comedy that we broke up. Don't make a joke out of your life. And I was like, okay, but I listened to so many podcasts, like, um, the need to fail and so many actresses and comedians that I look up to who tell these stories of just persistence. And they were like, I had this almost delusional belief in myself. And when so many people were like, no, honey, not you, you have to find a way to keep going. Cause like you said, if that's who you are, that's what you got to do. And all of them say that too. They're like, just don't stop. And the one thing that saved them all was creating their own work. Which is a perfect segue into part three of the journey. (laughs) So I want to start this section with memories of sitting on your floor. Again, we always sat on the floor. There's like something so comforting about that. Yeah. At the studio. I love that place. Well, because I didn't have any chairs. (laughs) Maybe you had one, but it's like, (laughs) let's just sit on the floors. It's fine. And I remember just how my brain works. So my journey with the industry is backwards. It's the opposite of the traditional route. Like I never really enjoyed the idea of auditioning for things. I thought it was a waste of time. One, I never wanted to be on camera. Surprise. That was weird. Like that, here we <laughs> here are. We are. Um, yeah. My goal was always to, to build something bigger than me, build a business, build a movement. And it just so happened that I was not only like, okay on camera, but it was fun for me too. And then there was that layer of storytelling and fun and being goofy. Oh my God, you're such a natural. But it was just like, holy shit, I can like make these little tiny stories of my life. And not only is it fun for people to watch, actually no one watched it in the beginning. I remember having to like literally bake cookies and offer them for subscriptions to the YouTube channel. I'm like, subscribe to the channel, bake a cookie. I baked cookies for you guys. It's it's like that. I mean, that's like, that's someone who's dedicated to their dream though. And so the reason why my journey was opposite was because I from the beginning started generating my own content, like in the beginning in 2012. Yeah. But with a twist, I started putting things on YouTube, using it as a way to pitch executives. And the first two years of creating content, I never wanted to be considered a YouTuber. I remember viciously hating the word YouTuber. I thought YouTubers were dumb. And I'm like, I'm a businesswoman. I'm multilingual. I'm global. And, and it was like a big ego dumb ass thing that I did because those two years I spent harassing borderline like getting restraining orders from executives at different networks because I would be like 
hey, uh, you told me on LinkedIn to schedule a call. Like no one did. Just like, it was crazy. I would spend so many hours of my week scrubbing LinkedIn for all of the executives at every network that could be useful to pitch a young travel show for multiracial, multilingual travelers, right? Like, and I remember having a few videos on YouTube on the Damon and Joe channel up and I would send them the links to be like, here's my pilot, here's the character sizzle, like here's a pitch deck of where we could take the show here, are future season options. Like I really learned how to pitch a show. Yes, yes. And every single person said, no, they were like, no, you're too young. There isn't a space in the market. And this led me all the way up to the day that I'm sitting in the audience at the auditorium for my cap and gown ceremony, like to, to graduate college. And yeah. I got an email from an executive at a production company. I had flown to LA to pitch. And she was like, Joe, while we loved your presentation and it was far more uh, organized than most production companies were passing on the offer because we don't think that there's a market for this. And I, I cried one tear and I got my diploma and I was like, here we go, 70K in debt, making this shit happen somehow. And that's when I said, screw trying to convince other people of what I know to be true of this thing that I'm like ruthlessly dedicated to because there is no other option. And that's when I started posting things consistently. That's when we did one video a week, then two videos a week, then three videos a week. And then from there, I just saw so much more I just saw so much more of a return on my investment of time and energy yeah than anything else than trying to convince somebody to give me a shot like I don't need to convince anybody we're living in the age where we can post everything online Mm -hmm. and it is really like it's so that moment for you it was like it was born out of necessity and like the necessity to to survive and to keep bringing forth like the the light that's inside of you. It's like, I I think of this so spiritually sometimes because it's like, we are almost, we're, I think that we're gifted these ideas and this inspiration. So for you, like a multilingual, multiracial travel, like young travel show, that was something that was like, so you were so impassioned by that. It almost was like not even up to you to bring it forth into the world. So it's like, you can't be stopped by these people, these executives who are like, no, 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 we just don't see it because it's like, look at you now. It, the proof is in it. You knew and it grew and people loved it and people related to it. They still do. And like your, your work and your business and everything you've accomplished has evolved so much because I mean, like, imagine if you hadn't taken it into your own hands. You know, like it's easier at the beginning because there's money and there's a schedule and you have to do way less work if you're not self-generating at all, but you sacrifice a lot of the creative control. Absolutely. And I'm, I'm curious how that is still happening for you, given like the shows that you've been working on and like how you've had to like compromise your own vision for like bigger projects or things that you are like contracted on rather than like, you know, the executive producer of. So it's like, it really is a give and take. And there's of course, so many perks to, you know, as an actress, if you get hired to just be an actress on the show and say all the funny words and like sit in your trailer and not do anything else, that's, oh, that's peaches and cream. The dream. It's the dream, but it's also like, if no one's, that's so, it's like less than 1% of people get to do that. And And also when you get an offer like that, less than 1% of your skill set is actually being used, right? Like, Right. Because I've had that that side 
so okay this still brings me back to the floor of your of your apartment because oh, yeah, I, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. I made it happen right like Damon and Joe we hit a million subscribers we moved to LA to make that happen and I remember vividly getting to LA and seeing so many of my friends going on the traditional route of auditions and like getting nowhere and I felt mm-hmm. my heart would shatter for them because I thought that they were talented I thought that they were funny and I'm like no you got to make your own stuff. And I remember sitting on the floor of your apartment being like, Lucy, what can we do? Like, what series can you make? Like, let's make your own stuff, whatever you need. Because I just saw the power of like self-generating, but it is so hard because there's the consistency and there's the learning curve and there's the intimidation to be like, shit, am I really about to put myself out there on the internet and people are just going to not like it? So what was the, they're just going to chop What it was up. the hesitation? Like what took you so long? You know, I think it was the belief that I could do it. I think it was, I I almost like wasn't desperate enough yet. And especially, and I remember this, and I remember you telling this to Misako too, you know, because she she started to become a creator on her own before I did, but was also inspired by you and Damon and everything that you guys had achieved. And I remember you telling us like, just do it, create your own stuff. And I, I, it was paralyzing because seeing the growth that you had reached and like the years you had put into it, it's, it's like you're staring, you're like at the foot of a mountain, you know, staring up. And I think it was that, I think it, I think it was me not really, first of all, not knowing like what content would I make? I don't know how to edit things. I don't have a team to film this with cameras are expensive. Like you can make any excuse. And then eventually yeah, I think that's that's what was holding me back. I think I still was kind of like, well, I'll get it booked on a show. Like, I'll do this or that. And then when I had finally had enough of feeling like I'm knocking on all these doors that are just not going to open, I I came up with an idea to make this dumb little short film called The Produce Shaman about this like woman who blesses people's produce that they buy at a farmer's market. And I got like a team together and we we shot it and my friend had a camera. She knew how to edit. Like I slowly learned premiere from watching her and that, that production group eventually broke up. But from that first shoot, I was like, like I went, I rented a U-Haul and we used the inside of the U-Haul as like the office. And I was like, oh, you can do anything. When I had that idea, I was like, I'm a fucking genius. I used the inside of a U-Haul to be a, like an office. I ran a power cord from my studio apartment out the front door into the U-Haul. Like if my landlord had been there, she would have shut it down. But like (laughs) when we did it, I was like, look at what you can do with just like a little bit of passion. I had, I used like a DLSR, DSLR. I forget what kind of There it is, DSLR. DSLR camera, like everything was blurry, but like we still made it. And so it was like that initial push that made me realize like, oh, I can really do this. And then, you know, Years later, along comes TikTok. I resisted that for so long because I was like, this is some stupid bullshit. But then I saw my friends from like Groundlings and my comedy friends getting on there and having so much success because it's like a far more like diplomatic platform than Instagram ever was, or at least they've changed to be that way and took a stab at that. And and it just was kind of like this slow coming out of my shell and realizing like, if I'm not going to let my light shine, like no one's going to come over here and be like, here, let me unclog all your light cloggers and let your light shine. It's like, you have to do it. Wow. Wow, the wisdom. 
Not your average Joe. Takeaway number two, three, maybe even four. A few things that Lucy said I need to highlight. This is a virtual highlight session. Let's look at creativity as a spiritual thing. We're gifted these ideas. We're gifted this inspiration, not for our selfish desires. Yes, it feels good to be creative, but really there's a lot more magic that comes out when you release that because you're inspiring other people. It's like your creativity, you're just the messenger for it. So that's number two. Number three, when we're feeling this fear of letting our creativity out, no one's gonna come and unclog your light, shiny mechanism. <laughs> In other words, no one's gonna turn on your light. You have to turn it on yourself. It's like, be your own creative champion. Realize that you're scared, realize that you're nervous, realize that you're avoiding your own growth so that you could take actions to reverse that and finally let your art into the world because it's bigger than you. Anyways, the not average Joe knows that they have to take matters into their own hands. No one's gonna give you permission. No one's gonna give you the green light, especially not those Hollywood executives, let me tell you, honey. But we have more resources and tools today than ever before to make our own creative ideas come to life. There are things that I wanna go to with what you just said. A lot of people probably don't realize how much tech is involved with being creative. So much. I think my job is like, 90% technology, 10% being creative, which is good and bad because, you know, you can get into the loop of just like figuring out the tech and then your, your mind is clouded, which is one of the struggles of being a creator that I don't think a lot of people talk about. It's like, how do you juggle being the production company and the talent and the editing department and the, the network? And, you know, so we're doing all of these things, but I love that now it's easier than ever. Like you said, with TikTok, I know Misako, we were talking about this, how she was like the only platform that has given her a chance to, to actually be shown on, on a, in a big way is TikTok. Mm -hmm. And I agree. It's, it's more fair than most of the other platforms. Yeah. So now that you know that you could do anything because you've rented a U-Haul. <laughs> That's all it takes. Just rent a U-Haul, baby. <laughs> Just the power. You felt like a slow build of your own power. And now every time I go on Instagram, I am not even lying to you. I will look at your page to see if you put another like bro sketch out because yeah. it makes my day. Oh my God. Thanks. So you started creating 30 days. And when did that start? Yeah. Yeah. So that was like... End of the summer, I think I was like, okay, I'm going to get serious with this because like, you know, I'm, I'm happy. I I'm, I'm happy with my life and the shows that I'm doing. I host a comedy show once a month. I'm like creating things, but I was like, I'm ready to kick it up to the next level. Like I want to, I want these dreams to feel like more tangible. And the main thing I have the control over is like the content I make and put out. And I completely agree with what you said, 90% tech, 10% creativity which is where like universe, I call in, like, let me sell this show so that other people can fucking edit shit for, I don't want to edit anymore. I like it. I'm good at it. I don't want to edit anymore. Dude, the amount of footage I have in my hard drives, it's going on over a year. I have a year of footage, Lucy, that I haven't edited because I'm just like, here we fucking go. Cause I know once I go to start editing, it's going to be 20 hours and I'm going to look up and be like, I have a beard and like pit yep. stains and, and the video is only five minute edited and it's like a 20 minute yes. video. And I'm like, what <laughs> the 
<laughs> so yes. And, I mean, and also I, I, I don't know if you identify with this, let me know, but like, I have, I have some perfectionism going on. So like when I'm editing something, I'm not going to put something out unless it's reached its like maximum potential for like jokes and timing and like fun little flourishes to put in there. Do you feel that way too? Of course I go over. So when I was making YouTube videos regularly, which I will start again, I was going, so basically like I would shoot, I would get maybe like two hours worth of content or sometimes more. Like sometimes I'll have five hours of raw footage to edit. Five hours of raw footage to edit. Okay. (laughs) And then the more I've done it, I've done it for 10 years. I don't want to make the same videos I was making back in 2014, 2012. So now I'm making like documentaries. To me, the level of what I want to put out, it's like it will be a documentary. And if it's not, I'm not posting it. But that means that I'm spending a week and a half on a video. And because I'm not posting as consistently anymore on YouTube, I'll post it and it barely gets any views. So that's unmotivating Mm -hmm. because yes, while we have the tools to post shit, we're unmotivated when we spend so much effort and it doesn't get any views. Meanwhile, if I make a tiny little Instagram reel that took me 10 minutes in my bathroom speaking Greek to myself in the mirror, it goes viral. And I'm like, this is bullshit, but it is what it is. It is what it is. It is what it is. And I do think... To me, TikTok is like a leveraging a thing. Like I, I'm using TikTok is not the end goal. TikTok is what I'm using to, you know, leverage my own social value almost. Back, going back to these executives. Unfortunately, we kind of need them to, uh, to achieve, do. you know, at least for my own personal goals, like the TV shows that I want to be a part of and write and create and and act on. Like- I, you need a a certain amount of clout (laughs) to get anywhere. And now that I'm like, I just hit a hundred K on TikTok and I'm like, I never thought that day would come. And it's like, Oh my God, that's amazing. It's amazing. And it's like, you know, it feels like so much, but it also feels like so little compared, you know, there's a scale, but I'm like, at least now I have something to prove myself with because unfortunately, like if you nail your audition, you're an incredible actor, but you have no, social currency online these days, like your chances are lower. So to me, TikTok is, has become that also just like a creative outlet and it's, it's healing. If I have a day where nothing's going on and I'm like, I can dress up like these three bros, write a little script, chop it up, post it. And to see the the engagement too, like the, the joy that other people get from it. I'm like, wow, I didn't, I never realized that a silly little social media platform could bring together such a community. And that's, I mean, it's been so fulfilling and so surprising, but it's really like my number one tool right now is just like continuing doing that and like finding that niche and pushing it. Like who would have thought it dressing up as bros would be the thing that like got me there. You're so good. I mean, you're not the dainty woman who needs help. So it makes (laughs) sense. Like, I think everything in your journey, it's, it's obvious to me Because like we said in the beginning, like you have it and it's just like the moment that you realize that you can't sit around and wait for other people. You could do, you know, you could do the classes, you could go to the auditions, but that's not enough right now. Like today it's not enough. And it's crazy when you think about the fact that somebody could train and acting their entire lives. But if somebody blows up on TikTok or on YouTube or on Instagram, they hold more value in the audition room. So mm-hmm. for me, that's exactly what happened. I had never hosted a TV show in my life. And like, luckily I have the natural 
skills to host things. And I had hosted digital right. series before, but I went into a Netflix audition and booked the job. And there were straight up TV hosts in the room, right? And they didn't get it. So it's it's partially because of the grit of having created 10 years worth of travel content and then luck, a lot of luck and ruthless belief in oneself. But a lot of it was because of the social media following. Now, this is where Hollywood is drastically changing. Whether you agree with it or not, we're definitely living in an age of numbers. Yes, skills matter. They will always matter. But they're almost not as valuable anymore without an audience of people who know you for what you do for that said skill. Not your average Joe takeaway number four, it is always useful to build an audience for whatever you're good at and want to continue doing. Because those people will be there for you when you have a show, when you launch a product, when you have a course. That's your bread and butter. And at the end of the day, as messed up as it is to say this, there wouldn't be Hollywood if there weren't advertisers to pay for the content that will be vehicles for them to sell people things. And that's a conversation for another day, but it is the root of why this is an investment conversation. And the safer the investment for executives, the higher probability it is that you'll get a show greenlit or get booked on a show. We were three co-hosts and all three of us had social media presence and that wasn't by accident. Like right. it's become a part of the media strategy, which brings us to the ironic turn of events that like you basically think at least the timeline of like anybody going down the Hollywood path, you think you need to go down the traditional route, yeah. get an agent, get a manager, go to auditions. Then you realize like maybe nothing happens to, you know, in that regard, like maybe I got to take matters into my own hands and stop wasting time because nothing has happened and it's been 10 years and you start making your own content. And then you probably do that and you're really successful for a few years. And then the irony is at the end of the rainbow you need the executives, right. but the executives now respect you because you've built something for yourself. And then you get the traditional offer, which is what happened to me. And then now I'm at the other end of that. Like what happens when you go through all three of those stages? Like you have no success, then you make your own success. Then you get a traditional successful moment and then you're spat back out. And this was my oh shit moment that happened last winter when I was done shooting a show. Right. Oh my gosh. That's like an even bigger mountain that you thought, you know, you thought the first mountain when you had nothing was scary. Exactly. So how did you cope with that? Oh what my God, it was like dark times, dark times. And I never really talk about it, but it was dark because not only was I waiting for the show to come out, I couldn't talk about it legally, but I had divorced mm -hmm from the old business partnership with Damon. So I wasn't creating on YouTube. Mm -hmm. I had gotten off of the consistency train. So something that I'd done consistently in my life for 10 years, I had stopped doing for a year and a half because I was shooting a show where you're on set six days right. a week and you're traveling every three days right. and there's no time to do anything creative of your own, right? Mm -hmm. And then you get spat back out to your regular life and it's almost like, holy shit, I don't even know who I am anymore. Because for the last 10 years, I was working towards something and then I got that thing and I can't even talk about that thing. And so now what do I do with myself and what do I talk about? Who am I? What is my value? Right. It really gets that big. It, it's like a big existential moment. And I hear so many performers and creators talk about this because they're like, you know, they book their first big show or movie and it's like, it's a big uproar and then they're done and they're like, hello. Truly. <laughs> like, do you guys remember me? Exactly. <laughs> and there's, you know, the, the higher the momentum, 
And then when that stops, the harder the fall. So for me, like having right. one season on a Netflix show was huge. And then I had two seasons. So it's like, oh my God, this is big. And then it's like, okay, now we're not on top 10. Now nobody cares. Now, now, now Squid Games, like literally night and day. So what's wild is that after I spatulated myself off of the floor of my office, like eventually I got up and right. I was just like, okay, what do I what do I want to do? And then it was just me zooming out. Like, who am I? Who am I? What are my core right. values? Like what has always kept me sane? And it took a really long time to get back to the space of having fun creating because I was almost, it was almost tainted in my mind. It was like, shit, what am really? I doing this for? So that I can have a, like a dark six month depression again? Like what? And then I kind of snapped out of it and I'm like, you know what? it goes back to the community. And that's where I think creating your own content is so important because I have that, like I've always done that and I've learned how to make my right. own content. So I can self-generate my, I can show my light. I don't need to wait for a show for somebody to say, Joe, exactly. you should be on the show. Like, no, I don't have to wait. So I think the most powerful thing is just picking up where you left off and, and remembering you have the tools whether it's with your iPhone or with a borrowed camera or whatever, you have the tools and technology, hopefully, to create your own platform to show your light. Now your average Joe takeaway number five. When you're a creative, there is no finish line to what you create. There's no end. Just because you accomplish a goal of, let's say, getting on a Netflix show, whether your show gets greenlit or not, whether you book the job or not, being creative has no end. It's not something that you could just say, okay, that's it. It is who you are. So when you do have these high highs, these big successes, these wins, the best thing you can do right after is pour yourself into another project. The author doesn't sit around reading reviews after they're done writing their first book. They start writing again. And that's something that I've had to learn the hard way. It was spatuling myself off of my desk. And it was really in my creative winter where I was like, damn, what's next? What am I about to do? And then I just realized, wow, I think I'm a creative person. I will always be creative, whether I have a TV show, a YouTube channel, or I'm writing or what, whatever I'm doing. This is who I am. This is not just something like a means to an end where I'm going to be accomplishing goals. It's who I am. It's not changing. And it does remind you a lot of like the, the reason you started it all. I think like I was just hearing this story, I think in that same podcast, The Need to Fail, an incredible podcast, but um, this actress was talking about how she was working with like these, this huge actor who, uh, forget his name. I don't know. He was the guy from uh, the guy from The Matrix, but like used to being on these like giant studio movies and like huge budget films. And then like agreed to work on this like indie film where he had to get changed in the back of a van. It's like, if that's who you are, you're going to keep doing it. And for you specifically, like you have that community there who's like, they're always going to be ready to watch your videos. They're always going to be ready for more content from you. And it's, it's like a nice, it, it's very humbling. And like, yes, I think we always experience like the roller coaster ride of like hitting these highs and then like having a burnout and almost like remembering to plan for those lows too, to be like, let me productively use this time to like rest and recuperate and like zone back in on what I want. And it's an, it's an opportunity to like change what you're doing too. Like you said, you're doing these documentaries now. It's always going to be like a metamorphosis 
And it's so, I mean, being a social media creator, which I mean, I have so much more respect than I ever did now because so much work goes into it. People think like I was such a hater, a TikTok hater. Cause I was like, what are these dumb people doing with these stupid fucking short little videos? And then I started making them and I was like, this requires so much. And like to have that wealth of work and that community to go back to is like such a, like a saving grace after you hit these big highs. And then you're just like spat back out into like the void and you're like, what do I do? But it's also an opportunity for like rebirth. It is. It's scary. It is scary though. But I think it's way better to have that moment of like, what the fuck am I going to do next? When you have a community, which is why everyone should, if they're creative, take that phone out and film something. It's funny. You say you were a TikTok hater. I was a huge YouTube hater. Like I told you, like the biggest hater. And then I was like, I'm the dumbass. Like, wow. I've been sitting here judging these people that are making millions of dollars doing exactly what they want. And I'm over here thinking I'm too good for it. Like shut up. And then I became full-blown YouTuber, made a career out of it and got everything in my life because of it. So it is, it's crazy. I think we just have to swallow our our pride a little bit too, but. It totally is that I was going to say, like, you just have to get on board. Like if you can't beat them, join them. And you're not going to beat them by like sitting there being a hater. And also like spiritually, like anytime you're in hater mode, at least for me, because my prep, my ego gets in the way so hardcore. And anytime I'm in hater mode, I know that it's because like, I'm jealous or, or because like I'm resisting my own creativity. Like that's all it ever is. Let's talk about resisting your own creativity. I feel like I'm in that stage where it's like, I'm avoiding creating sometimes because I am like subconsciously avoiding my own growth. Like what? Yeah. How does that even happen? Why does that happen? I think I was just talking about this um, on my TikTok because someone asked, people are asking the bros for advice. And so I'm like answering as them. I'm like, what has become of this? But it's really, it's, it's amazing. Cause I am reflecting on it too. And I was just talking about this. Like, I think the things we resist the most are the things that we need to get into the most. So it's like, you know, basic, like face your fears type of stuff. But when we are sabotaging our own growth, it's like fear of success almost, which is ironic because fear of failure Right. Is that how ironic? Because it's like, you think it's your brain tricks you into thinking it's fear of failure. But then you look back and you're like, I've been failing. I'm a pro at failing. I fail all day, every day. That's why I'm making all this stuff because I'm a failure. Like that's, that's the easy part. I think what scares us is like, what if I, what if I'm good at this? And then it's like, then you have a responsibility to really acknowledge that part of yourself. Do you feel like there's something that in your life that you're like resisting the most right now? Yeah. That you know you have to just like jump into. What is it? It's making videos. And it's crazy because imagine you've done something consistently for 10 years and it becomes your identity. And then you get an opportunity, but the opportunity comes with you having to let that go. But the opportunity is big, right? And it's going to set you up for the next chapter of your career. So you let it go and you're like, yeah, this is the logical next step. And you're like kind of looking side to side, like, I hope this is the right move. And you like say goodbye to 1 million people. And you're like, all right, here we go. Then you get on a traditional show where you're completely in a new element, like a new skill set, new people, no creative control, none. And I was making shit. I was making content, like three, four videos a week. I'm, I'm filming 
conceptualizing, planning, I'm editing, I'm posting, I'm engaging. I'm like so hands-on when I'm creating that it's actually activating all sides of me. And I remember something big for me with YouTube was it was the only job that used all of my skill sets down to the languages that I speak. Oh, yeah, right. And down to like my admin side, down to my leadership skill, like all of the things that I've not only loved developing, but like wanted to keep growing, those were all being targeted. Like those were all being engaged with, with creating on YouTube, but I didn't identify with the content we were making anymore because I started filming stuff when I was 17 and like, here I am 28 at the time. Right. So I was like, yeah, of course I'm going to let that go because I'm going to shed that skin. It's time to move on. And then, and then you just fall out of practice and then it's like, shit, do I still know how to do this? Do I even want to do this? So part of my hesitation, it's totally what you said though. I'm like, I know that I feel like I'm hesitant, but it's the thing that I need the most. Mm -hmm. Like I know it is, which is annoying because yeah. I know it is, but I'm still like, who's going to sit and edit these videos? Not me. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah like some of the <laughs> elves, the elves that live here, they're coming out at night yeah. to do it. Yeah, exactly. But this podcast has been a really cool middle ground because I'm editing it like videos, which most people with podcasts don't do. Like I'll cut in different things. I'll like interject the interviews and I'm like, oh, shit. and every time I'm editing the podcast, I'm like, damn, I miss doing this. Right. Yeah, so, yeah. so I guess that's the thing I'm the most hesitant about, which is so silly to me because I have uh, six months of amazing footage that I got. I'm just, I'm just hesitant for some reason. Well, it's also like, I mean, it's such a deep amount of work that you're doing all by yourself. Like you don't ever outsource like an editor, right? I try. And sometimes I have an assistant editor, but with creating the content that I make, it's so pers it's so like me. So it's right. hard for me to send it to an editor and be like, Hey, can you cut in like bits of my journal entries that you don't even know what I'm saying into the, like, it doesn't make sense. So it's tough. Yeah. It just doesn't work. And it's mm -hmm. that thing too, when I edit videos and when I'm creating, I call it like molding clay. It's like I'm sculpting something. So I have no idea how the finished product is going to look. I'm not the kind of person who writes scripts for videos. I take everything and I see a huge blob and I just like take away what shouldn't be there. And then I add yeah. in what needs to be there. So it's art. It's like truly an artistic. You're, you really are an artist. But I like don't give myself the time to do it because it's easier to sit on my computer and like organize mail lists and like send emails. Like, so that's my current struggle. So if you have any um, great Lucy advice, I'm all ears. Oh my God. I don't know if I have any, I mean, I do the same thing. Like I call it procrastinating. Cause I'm like, I'm like, I'll, I will literally clean my entire apartment before I film a video that I know will bring me fulfillment, like, and closer to my goal. I still don't, I, I still haven't figured out like, why, why do we, why do we hold ourselves back so much? Well, why? you clearly found a way to get out of it with your 30 day challenge to yourself. Like, was it, do you think that that's a hack to say, I'm going to do this thing for 30 days and I'm going to commit to myself because I deserve it. Like, was that the real true key? Yes. I think it was that it was like a big push. I, it, and it again, grew out of necessity. Like you said, when you, when you shed your single tear on graduation day, like 
it every once in a while, I kind of get fed up and I'm like, my life is nice, but I want more. This is not the end product. This is never going to be the, it's, I mean, it's never going to be the end, but that push for me was kind of like, okay, I have shot this pilot. This is amazing. I have the attention of these people who I can use in my network who are like so valuable to me. I have this and that going on. I'm doing a live show. I'm doing stand-up comedy, but I want to push it to the next level. And I know that I can, and I, I know I have the time and the tools. And so let me just like prove something to myself. It's almost, it was like a 30 day workout challenge. And then you see the results and you're like, oh, I'm going to get even more shredded now. So it's like, you, you just have to like, it's sheer willpower to just start, like just rip the bandaid. Cause you know, what else are we doing here? What else are we doing here other than procrast, pro, what is it? Procrabber, procrastinating, <laughs> procrastinating. <laughs> procrastinating. I mean, you can procrastinate all day long and like, yeah, it feels good. But at the end of the day, like, what did you do? And I do want to say like disclaimer, we live in a like very productivity based society and it's like all our value is, is placed on our output. That said, I know that you and I are also the type of people who like, we like to be busy and we, we have this energy to share. And it feels, I feel like a shriveled raisin when I'm not creating and putting things out into the world. Absolutely. Cause that's just like what I'm, what I meant to do and what you're meant to do. So I think it is just kind of that sheer willpower of being like, this is my thing and I'm going to do it. And I'm not going to get in my head too much because it's also like to take your ego out of the way. Like I was saying before, like this is a gift that I have, that's been bestowed upon me. Who am I to not let it out? I'm not, that's pure ego. Like I'm not in charge of this art and this comedy. This is like, these ideas are gifted to me from God knows where. It's not up to me whether or not to share them or judge whether they're good. Like how lucky am I to receive this inspiration? Uh, I am the, I am of service. So when I can get into that mindset, it makes it easier. Cause I'm like, let me stop pretending that like, I'm the ringleader of all this shit. Like I'm, I'm, but the conduit for these ideas to go out into the world. That is such a beautiful reframing of the whole creative process. Cause you're right. It's like, have you ever read the the book, big magic? Yeah. That's kind of what inspired that. Exactly. Thought. So it's like the idea that ideas come to many people, but it's like, who's taking action on the idea. And it's, it's not an ego thing. It's just, you're putting it out into the world. And then you don't even know what you putting your, your, you know, message out to the world is going to do for other people. It's going to be like a trickle effect, a butterfly effect that would have never had happened had you held it in. So it's almost like you, when it comes to creative things, the best way to go about it is look at it selflessly or as selflessly as it can be. Not your average Joe takeaway number six. Whenever you're anxious about something, whether that's giving a speech or putting your art out there or being creative or telling somebody that you're an artist, remember this creativity is not about you. It's literally not about you because when we pour our hearts and our excitement and our pains and all of that into our art, it becomes pieces of content that will then be consumed by other people. And maybe that person is heartbroken and has never seen art that speaks what they're feeling into existence. Or they're really excited and you know they read your poem about happiness and they feel seen. My point is, whenever you're avoiding 
putting your art into the world, zoom out and remember that your art, if it's done from a genuine place, has the power to heal. It's medicine and it's not about you. You are just the messenger. Yeah, I think, I mean, that's what helps me a lot. It's like, it's not my idea. Like I have the skills and, and have honed the skills to like write out the script. I, I know how to write a script. I know comedic timing because I've taken classes and I've studied it and I like watch comedians all the time. I have the skills to, to birth this idea, which is why the universe impregnated me with it in the first place. Cause they were like, this mom will raise this child. So it's like, you're not going to, you can't hold the baby in. I don't know what analogy I'm going with. Where, <laughs> like, where am I the, going with this? The, I love this so much. No, but it's true. You're just going to be uncomfortable, bloated. It's going to pop. Like things aren't going to be good if you hold the baby in. So I guess the takeaway, yeah. you can't hold the baby in. No. Usually at the end of the chat, uh, I always like to ask the guest to give a not your average Joe takeaway. Like what's a takeaway somebody could walk away after this episode and just implement into their life to be a little less average and myself mm -hmm. included. Like, I think I'm going to start my own 30 day creative challenge after this. I mean, do it. I, and just to clarify, I didn't finish the 30 days. No, I went home for a family reunion and it just became like too busy, but I had made it like 20 days. And when I got back, I just like hopped right back on. And, and since then have been like pushing out content. So I, I didn't even make it, but it was like, the commitment that I had and like the, I just, I was able to like trust myself more being like, I can do this. Like I'm doing this for me. I got close to the 30 days, but I didn't finish. But my, my not your average Joe takeaway would be follow the fun. This is something that someone said to me who, someone I really looked up to forever. I thought was like such a brilliant artist. Finally, like met this person. We became really close and I would, I would ask them about like their process. And it was just like such a a beautiful friendship that formed out of this, like, you know, like they say, never meet your idols, but this person relayed to me, they were like, the way I found success was by following the fun. They were like, I was never like, I'm going to get this many followers or I'm going to be this famous and be on this many projects. He, he was like, I'm just doing what's fun and doing that all the time. And that's like, there's some magic in that because people see you doing that and you're better at it. You get more inspiration from the universe because it sees you and it's like, oh, this person's like gonna make something cool with the energy we're giving them. And it just enriches your life more. Like it makes you more present. It makes the like grueling tasks of the creative stuff less grueling, I think. So yeah, my takeaway is just like, do what is fun at all costs. I am going to go do cartwheels in the grass now. Good. <laughs> Maybe I will too. It's really, really important. I feel like I forget that so much like every once in a while and I'm I'm similar with you like I wasn't really creating short form content and then suddenly I'm like no this this shit could be fun like so now I'm creating Instagram reels like weekly and and I do it because it's fun like I do it because I like being goofy and learning a language and it's so specific like your specific version is like you turned into three bros which are hilarious and you're giving life advice in this like spiritual way which is very you like knowing you as a friend yeah but it's just being yeah. communicated in this comedic way with acting and being these three different guys and for me it's like being goofy learning a language in my bathroom getting ready for the day like how specific are these things that people love people love that shit and I love it and you love it like it's so everyone wins if you just keep creating 
That's true. Cause it's like, if you try to follow a formula of somebody else, you see their success and you try to do exactly what they're doing. Like they've that spot's already taken. There's, there's room for everybody. I think Misako must've told you this before, but like Yvonne Orji has this analogy where she's like, go to the water aisle in the store. There's like a thousand brands of water and they're all on the shelves for you to buy. Absolutely. So like your specific thing, like watching you like straighten your hair in your bathroom and like to speak in these different languages, I'm like eating it up. Cause I'm like, who's like, it's so specific because like, that's exactly like, you're just doing what you are called to do. It's not like you sat there and you were like, okay, what's going to be viral? Um, this language <laughs> and this, you know, it's just, it's because that's, what's fun to you. And that's what you're passionate about. And it shows like, there's, I don't know. I always think there's some like magical pixie dust on that when you're just like following, literally follow your heart. People can tell. Tuning out, you have to tune out the clutter because we're in the age of clutter. Really tune it out and just do what's fun. I love the advice. I love the advice. Brilliant, mm -hmm. Lucy. Yeah. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much for having me. This has been like, oh, just to see your smiling, radiant face I has been you. such a treat. Before we go, where can people find more of your stuff? I'm going to link it in the show notes too, but. Okay. Yes. You can find me um, on Instagram and TikTok at Lucy Blee, L-U-C-Y-B-L-E-E. And I guess LucyBleeHar.com if you like are someone who's trying to sign an actor to your roster. Um, that's about it. Yay. I love it. I'm so proud of you. I think this is just the beginning and I, Really, I I knew it from the minute that I met you and it still continues to blow my mind. Like you have the it, the it factor that no one knows how to define, but you just have it. Oh, Juana, it's well, it's reflective. I really feel, I feel like that's why we clicked because I saw that in you too. And you have always been an inspiration. So thank you forever. I love you. Okay, let me stop this recording. I love you. Okay. And that is it to all of my favorite, not average Joes all around the globe. Thank you so much for tuning in. I know this episode was a little bit longer, but it's because creativity is not just a one-time thing. Like we can't just be out here talking about this for an hour. This is really the root of the goodness that makes life interesting. So I wanna see your videos. I wanna see your passages. I wanna see your pieces of art, like tag me in things you want me to see on Instagram on TikTok, I want to see it because it's creating this community of people who are unafraid of showing up and showing themselves. And that makes me excited and that makes me keep creating. So I always like to say that I want to use the internet as the accountability buddy that I've never had. I will be that to you and you have to be that to me. And in turn, we document our creative journeys together. So if you've learned something from the show, if you feel a little bit more pizzazzed and ready to be creative, don't forget to rate the show five stars wherever you listen to your podcast. On Apple Podcasts, you can even leave a review, which I read. So that would be amazing. You can also join my mailing list where I'm going to be building out different events and membership programs to keep each other accountable in all of the areas that I love. For more on Lucy, I'm linking her TikTok and her Instagram in the show notes as well she's a really funny lady please get to know her leave her a comment say that you came from my podcast as for me you know where to find me on instagram and tiktok at joe underscore franco i'm also in the process of reviving my youtube channel but as you heard in this episode that is my biggest creative struggle right now so if you want to check out the videos that i've been posting joe franco on youtube leave me some love y'all like the algorithm is crushing my mojo 
but you know what? It's not about me. I need to post these videos. It's bigger than me. It's bigger than me. I got to take my own not your average Joe takeaways. You know what I'm saying? This podcast was produced and edited by me. The theme song for the show was created and performed by my sister, Fernanda Franco, who's always been a huge creative inspiration to me, as well as my brother. More on him later. Maybe I'll have him on the next episode. Follow us on Instagram at NotYourAverageJoePod for bonus clips and to leave us some comments because that's the only way I'll know if you like the show. And let us all put Be Creative on our to-do lists for this coming week. Can't wait to catch up with you soon. See you next Wednesday. Hey, yo, come listen to my girl, man. What you doing? Shit. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm.